The replay room in New York awards the Blue Jays with a run they should not have gotten. So much to break down on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Sunday, August 7th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you, so you never have to go to a dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of great cars. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen today on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is Nash Walkerman hosting this podcast for three seasons, been writing at Twins Daily for four seasons, and the Twins got hosed today by the Replay Room in New York. Let's hear from our friend Rocco Baldelli. In all of baseball, the thousands and thousands of games and plays at home where the catcher actually does block the plate over and over and over again, that play has virtually never been called. And for someone to step in in that situation and ultimately make a decision that that was blocking the plate, that's beyond embarrassing for our game, for all the players out there on both sides of the field working their ass off for the entire game. It's completely unacceptable. I can't even believe I'm sitting here talking to you guys about this right now. So clearly very upset. I would say today in four seasons of watching Rocco Baldelli, I've never seen him that visibly upset on the field. He was so angry, screaming, and he's right to scream. Like that was, he's right. What he said is correct. It's not just about the rule at the plate. And this rule has been debated so many times, I feel like, but there's an understanding in baseball. Like there's been an understanding is what he's trying to say. That doesn't get overturned. It's never been overturned. That always stands. And I think everybody in the stadium, everybody watching at home, the Blue Jays, the Twins, everybody thought that call was going to stand because it always stands. It's a really tough play at the plate and you reward often a good throw, a good play. Gary did a a great job on that play behind the dish. He let, there was a lane for Whit Merrifield to come home. There was a lane for him to slide in. He chose not to take it. And he said, post game, I basically slid into Gary on purpose to take advantage of where he was. He had a lane to slide. He chose to slide into Gary and he was called out on the field. And I love how this is just about the umps wanting to get involved. The replay room wants to get involved. That's never overturned. And I, that's what Baldelli's saying. I agree with him. That's never overturned. That always stands, and it should have stood there. It's it's abysmal that it didn't, and it cost the Twins the game. Here's what I'll say. The 10th inning looks a whole lot different if that, if that call stands. It looks different. Maybe they bunt over Kepler. Maybe, you know, Miranda was up, so probably not, but it, may, it looks different. I think that inning looks different, clearly. But in the bottom of the ninth, the Twins tied the game. Luis Arais singled. The Twins had first and second with one out and Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler come into the plate. 
and they did nothing. They were quick outs, and they didn't cash in the run to win the game in the ninth. With this extra innings run, I'm not saying I'm not letting New York off the hook at all with this call. That was abysmal. With this extra inning rule, you leave yourself up to chance if you don't win the game in the ninth. You never know what's going to happen with the extra runner. The, Jordan Romano is a very good reliever. They needed to win that game in the ninth, and they could have won it in the tenth if the call went their way. If it, they'd got it right, the Twins might have won the game in the bottom of the tenth or in the eleventh. But they had an opportunity in the ninth inning of that game to to make the tenth not even happen. They had first and second with one out with two of their better left-handed hitters at the plate. They couldn't get it done, and they they left themselves up for what happened in the 10th. It's not their fault. It was a great play. What a throw from Tim Beckham. What a play from Gary Sanchez. It's just when you let the game continue to go on, if you don't score, they will. And maybe it's not right. Maybe it's not the right call. But the Twins had an opportunity in the ninth, and they didn't score. They had opportunities throughout the day to score runs. Kevin Gaussman was very good. Twins were without Correa and Buxton in the starting lineup. They pitched very well. This was one of those feelings of, there's good things that came out of this game. There's bad things that came out of this game. The result, all's well that ends well, all's bad that ends bad, right? But they pitched extremely well today. And overall, outside of that opener, they pitched really well in this series. And I feel more than any time in this season confident in the Minnesota Twins. And the reason is I don't think they're a perfect team. I don't think they're a great team. I, I'm more confident in saying they're a good team than I've been all year because they filled their biggest hole. And their biggest hole to me and one of the hardest holes to fill is a, a shutdown, back-of-the-bullpen, high-leverage reliever, and I think they filled it with Jorge Lopez. Did they still lack in the rotation? Yes, they don't have a frontline starter, and that ultimately could be their downfall down the stretch and into the playoffs, but they, they don't have huge holes on the team anymore. They are a more complete team than they've been all year long, I have so much more faith in this bullpen. Jose Miranda has been ridiculously good. The lineup can score. The lineup can get it done against good pitching. They can get it done against good teams. The Twins battle. They have some things going their way this year, I think. And I'm I'm more confident in them than I've been all season long. You know, maybe when they won 14 out of 17, I was pretty confident then. But when I look at the roster, I've never been more confident in the roster this year. And I I was confident in the 2021 Twins on paper, and they didn't get it done. But I think they are in good position here. They only have a one-game lead on Cleveland, two-game lead on Chicago. But they got the tiebreaker over Toronto, Seattle, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay in the wild card, which is important because it's head-to-head -head in the tiebreak. And they, they clinched that this weekend by splitting with Toronto. And Toronto's a very good team. This was a great series. It was a great series. Jose Miranda historic rookie season for the Twins on his way to a historic rookie season. Let's break his year down so far. And then the spreadsheet. Let's look ahead to the schedule. What do the Twins need to do to make the playoffs and make a run? It's getting to crunch time, and you're going to want to stick around. After this word from LinkedIn, as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business grow and fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn. Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb. 
That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Jose Miranda, after today, drove in another run. After today, is hitting 279 with a 327 on base percentage. He's slugging 475 for a weighted runs created plus of 128. That's where 100 is league average. He's at 128. His 47 runs driven in is tied for second on the team with Byron Buxton, a second to only Jorge Polanco, who has 51. I think there's a good chance Jose Miranda leads this team in runs driven in. And I'm not saying that that's a, a great statistic to use all the time, but I think you see his confidence at the plate and watching this kid has been a joy. He is outstanding. He's been so good for them. He's been their best hitter for over two months and he just gets it done. Like Miranda mania, embrace the mania. Every time he does something good, I tweet Miranda mania. And it's especially when it's a big hit, you know, a big home run or a big run scoring hit. He's been doing it over and over and over. And I started with the mania thing when the twins last year, when the twins were struggling and it felt like he had a good chance to come up and join the team. He never did. It was Miranda mania. When are we going to see the mania at the major league level? He came up this year. It was just awful. I mean, there was no mania to be had there, but he's so fun to watch. I always say there's nothing, nothing, nothing in sports like a great rookie, right? Because it's not just what they're doing now, but it's projecting for their future. And it's so fun to think about what could be. And for Jose Miranda, he's on his way to a historic rookie season in Twins history. He's got 47 runs driven in in his first 71 games. The Twins record for most runs driven in through 100 games is Kent Herbeck with 67. Through their first 100 games with the Twins, Herbie drove in 67. Morneau is second with 63. Rich Rollins is third with 62. Miranda's on pace for 66 in his first 100 games, so has a chance to break that Herbeck 67 mark for most RBIs through 100 career games with the Twins. And I think it's just a testament more so to that that number, a testament to what Miranda's capable of and what I think he's going to be in the future, which is a run-producing machine. He is right now, and I'm so excited for Jose Miranda in his future. He's part of the reason why I'm confident in this Twins team because, yes, they lost Alex Kirilov. He he is done for the season with a wrist surgery. They're going to shorten the bone, the ulna in his arm to try to, to take some pressure off of his wrist. Just awful. Like, sounds very invasive. Hopefully, he's back next year. I always say, like, Alex Kir- a healthy Alex Kirilov is a game changer for this lineup, and they're going to miss him. They're going to miss Alex Kirilov. They need other guys to step up. They need Kepler to be better. They need Polo to continue in this hot streak he's been going so far. They need guys to step up, and he's part of the future, right? He's part of why I'm excited about the future, hopefully, for Kirilov. It's hard to get super excited about Kirilov because you don't know if he's ever going to be healthy. With Miranda and with Kirilov and with Luis Arise, who's 25 years old, with Buxton still in his 20s, this group looks special now. This group looks special in the future, and they have more guys down there. They did trade away a little bit at the deadline in Encarnacion, Strand, and Steer. But Edward Julian's crushing the ball down there. Matt Walner, Forest Lake native, is crushing the ball at AAA. I'm excited about the lineup. They're in good shape for the future. And Jose Miranda is right in the heart of that. He's been nothing short of incredible for this team. I don't think he's going to keep up what he's done for the last couple months, which has hit 330 with a 980 OPS. But I think he is, he looks like, you know, 280 to 300. What he's been basically this year, I think he's, that's who he looks like overall. 279 on base or 279 average, 
327 on base, slugging 475, way to runs created plus, just under 130. I think he is that dude, and I think he's a super special hitter. Defensively, has looked pretty good at third, much better at third than first. I think he's going to have some gaffes. I think he's not going to be a good defender, but if he's passable at the corners and he's your third baseman of the future and he's league average defensively, what a player. I mean, really special player, super excited about Miranda, and I think Twins fans watching him, based on what we saw early on, it's almost shocking, but for me, it's like this dude did it all of last year in the minors. He's He did it all last year. Now he's just doing it at the majors, and man, is it fun to watch. Let's look at this schedule. The schedule is so vital, and, and now in crunch time, as we get near 50 games left only for the Twins, what does the schedule look like? How does that compare to the rest of the division? Do I think the Twins can survive in the Central? If they don't, do I think they can make a wild card spot based on their schedule? Let's break that all down coming up after this word from BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. Schedule, spreadsheet time. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the spreadsheet. If not, I will explain it. I'm in a spreadsheet before the season predicting every single twin series until the finish in October, and it projected them to win 90 games this year. Again, I have not tweaked this. I have not even touched the prediction since I made it in April before opening day. So I made this way back in April, and right now the twins are minus two on my entire sheet, which means that they're on pace. If they played to the rest of these series, how I predicted them, they would win 88 games because I projected them to win 90. I think 88, I thought 90 at the time before the season would be enough to win the central, certainly enough to win the, uh, to get into the playoffs. I think 88 wins will be enough to win the American league central. So if the twins play out the rest of my predictions, they will win 88 games. And I think that will be enough. If it's not enough to win the central, I think it'll be enough certainly to, to make the playoffs. So Bringing this back up, I had them splitting with Toronto. I had them taking two out of three from Detroit. I'm off to a perfect start in August, folks. Perfect start. I have them splitting against the Dodgers this week and taking two out of three from the Angels. You'll notice I'm pretty aggressive with them in August. I have them winning a lot of games down the stretch. It's It's not obscene. like It's not ridiculous. I have the Twins from this point forward. They have 54 games left, so keep that that number in mind. 54 games. We're going to break this thing down. I have them going 31 and 23, which is like a 93 win pace. So I have them going 31 and 23, which I think is pretty reasonable. That's a good finish. That's a really good finish, and they need to finish strong if they want to make the playoffs. So 31 and 23. Here's what the schedule looks like in the last 54 games. The trade deadline changed a lot of things for us because a lot of teams got worse, a lot of teams got better. So the the schedule shifted. For example, the White Sox haven't played San Diego yet, and they added Juan Soto and Josh Hader and Josh Bell. That's a different series than it was before. They haven't played San Diego and San Diego, and the Royals got a lot worse, right? They traded with Merrifield. They traded away Andrew Benintendi. Their lineup is a bunch of rookies and young kids. They're a lot worse than they were before the trade deadline. So 
the schedules have adjusted based on the deadline. Here's what we're looking at. 54 games. The Twins have their most games left against the Royals and the White Sox. They have nine games against Kansas City and nine games against Chicago. Six of those nine games against Kansas City are at target field. Six of those nine games against the White Sox are in Chicago at guaranteed rate. So those are your two, 18 out of the 54 against the Royals and White Sox. The Kansas City games, nine Kansas City games. Would it be crazy for me to say they should go seven and two in those games, at least six and three with the way the Royals look? I mean, they are decimated and they always give the Twins trouble, but you have six of nine against Kansas City at home. You should absolutely minimally take six out of nine of those games. You have nine against Chicago. That Those will be huge. And you have eight against the Guardians. The Twins play the Guardians eight more times. Five of those are on the road. And then they have the Tigers on the road for three. So 54%, 29 of the 54 games left are against the American League Central. 17 are against the White Sox and Guardians. Of course, those are the two trying to chase the Twins down for first play. So, I mean, you could just look at this and say, like, the division will be decided in those 17 games. If the, if the White Sox beat the Twins six out of nine times, you know, advantage White Sox in the division, they'll play each other a couple more times as well, the, the guards and the White Sox. But 17 against the White Sox and Guardians and What's working against the Twins there is that 11 of those 17 are on the road. So you only get six of those at home. That's a disadvantage. And then you got the Tigers on the road for three. But a a big-time advantage in the Twins' schedule is that they do have the Royals nine more times, and the Royals are worse than they were before the trade deadline. The others, this division could also be decided in the other games, not within the division. If the White Sox and Guardians, and they all play each other kind of evenly, which is how it's gone this year, basically. Everybody's played each other pretty evenly. Now, the Guardians have actually whooped up on the Sox. I'm thinking from the Twins perspective, the White Sox, they've played, they they whooped up, they took five out of the first six, but then the Sox evened it up. Uh, and I think the Twins are up six to five in that season series or, or six to four. They're up by a game or two. The Guardians are up by a game or two on the Twins as well in the season series. They have eight games left. I actually think the guards are up six to five and the Twins are up um, five to four on the Sox, I think, or six to four. Either way, it could be decided in the other matchup. So here's the other matchups for the Twins. They have four at Yankee Stadium. Four at Yankee Stadium. That uh, that doesn't sound fun. They have six against the Angels, three at home, three away. The Angels are worse than they were. Trout is out with a back problem. Cindergaard traded. Shohei is not going to pitch in Anaheim this weekend against the Twins. or not slated to pitch. So those look easier than they did before. You still have to play the games, but the Angels look worse. So I think that's good for the Twins to have six against the Angels down the stretch here. Four against the Rangers at home. Rangers are tough. They just split with the White Sox in Texas. They took two out of three from the Twins in Arlington. So those games are at home. Those are coming up here, I believe, pretty soon. Try to take three out of four there from the Rangers, but the Rangers are they're tough with Semyon and Seager. They're they're a good bad team, if that makes sense. They're they're one of the better bad teams in the American League. Three against the Red Sox at home. The Red Sox are spiraling, spiraling. Stories hurt. They're below 500. They didn't really do anything at the deadline to improve, or they traded away Vasquez. They traded four fam. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, Red Sox are always tough, though. You're going to have to get Devers and Bogarts and Martinez out. That's always a challenge. Those three are at home at the end of the month. They have three against the Giants at home at Target Field. Very similar to me, the Giants to the Red Sox, right around 500. Might have to face Rodon. It might have to face Alex Cobb or Logan Webb. That could be a tricky series. I'm glad those games are at home at Target Field as well. They have three at Houston 
that's tough against the Astros. And then two at the Dodgers uh, in LA. That's this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So they're going to get two of their tougher games out of the way this week in Los Angeles. They'll face uh, Julio Urias and a to be determined. And then they'll pitch Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray in that. I think it's in that order. Joe's going first and Sonny second. So easiest series remaining or easiest games. You have nine against Kansas City six against the Angels, three against the Tigers, and four against the Rangers. Those are your easiest series in a row remaining. And the Twins, when you look at the league, they have a bottom 10 schedule remaining in terms of difficulty. Like they have a relatively easy schedule left. The White Sox have an easier schedule than the Twins, and the Guardians have an easier schedule than the Twins. The White Sox have the easiest of the three in terms of win percentage. But that's their their easiest games on paper. Royals for nine, Angels for six, Tigers for three. Those those would be the games. Those 18 out of 54 are like, you need to go 12 and six in those games, I think. And then they have at New York, at Houston, at the Dodgers. Those are your three toughest series by far. I mean, no question. If you can, in those, what is that, nine games, if you can go four and five in those nine games, that would be huge. I think if you can manage the storm against the good teams, whether the storm is something I always talk about, just don't go two and seven. Don't go one and eight against those teams. If you can weather the storm, take a couple of those games, win four out of those nine, that's manageable for the Twins. And that's that's good enough, I think, if they take care of business against the bad teams to win this division. So those are the toughest. And then you have the middle ground. The middle ground to me is the White Sox, the Guardians. Those games carry extra importance, of course. The Red Sox, the Giants, the Rangers. Rangers are on the easier end. That's the middle ground. So it, it's a mixed bag of a schedule. It's interesting that down the last couple weeks of the season, the Twins play the Guardians and Royals a ton. So this month, you're going to see the Dodgers will be off the schedule. The Astros, I believe, will be off the schedule at the end of August. I think into September, and then they go to Chicago and play the White Sox, and then they play the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Those two series are back-to-back. Getting into September, you're going to get a lot of those tough series off off the book. Like you get the the Dodgers off, you get the Astros off, the Blue Jays are off now. And then by September 8th, by September 8th, they'll be done with the Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, and they'll be done with one of those series in Chicago against the White Sox. When I come back on September 8th, that's a date I'm circling. Like where the, where are the Twins at on September 8th? I would not be surprised if they're out of a out of a playoff spot. And I don't think they'll be like way out of a playoff spot. But that's just a tough stretch for them. And then they have six at home against the Guardians and Royals, at the Guardians for five, at the Royals for three, Angels at home for three. So a stretch where they can make up some ground there, and certainly against the Guardians because those games, again, count for double. And then they have the White Sox at home after that. So, And then at Tigers, at White Sox to finish. So September 8th. This could look like 2019 where we got to a certain point in the schedule and the Twins lost the division lead, but then we said, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. They have their schedule lightens up here. I'm not saying the Guardians are light, but that's just a chance if the Guardians are up, those are opportunities to take games against them, right? And you play the Royals and Angels in that stretch, two of their worst teams on their schedule. So this is going to be super fun to watch. I'm fascinated by this as always, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see. They got to play the games. I have the Twins going 31 and 23 to finish 88 wins. 
um, to finish this season. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with a post-game Tuesday. Join me then. Join me and Brandon Warren on Lockdown Sports Minnesota for postcasts after every Twins game. Thanks so much. This has been the Lockdown Twins Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.